Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. On this week's episode, we're sitting down with Dimitri Pink, a resident of Arts Block and the owner of the Tipsy Red Fox, a paint and sip experience based out of his studio here on Independence Avenue. Thanks for joining us. Dimitri Pink is, in, is my name, and then the Tipsy Red Fox is named my business. And um, So where'd you get the idea for the Tipsy Red Fox, and kind of how did that grow? So the idea came from um, painting with a twist down in Florida. Uh, my dad had died and I had a chance to kind of like start my life again because I took care of him for 10 years um, when he had a stroke at different levels of care and I was like, okay, I'm doing my own thing now. And I had an arts background and I had to figure out some way that I make money doing, you know, following what I love because that was what was drilled into me when I was younger. So that was the, the beginning of that. I feel like a lot of us get that from our parents, whether it's something that's implied or actually said is you have to find a way to make money doing what you love. You know, with me telling people I wanted to go to journalism school, they're like, ooh, are you sure about that? Oh, it's a dying business. Same thing for a ton of artists. I've heard, oh, are you sure you can make a career out of that? So how did you, you know, maintain that confidence in yourself to be able to grow a business out of it? (laughs) I guess, like, I'm really good at, like, making sure that my businesses aren't stillborn or aborted. You just got to go, like, what does it take to, to bring this into existence? And then when there's challenges, how do you overcome them? And, like, when is it a good spot to, like, stop a business? I've had businesses that I've had to stop. I, this is not working out. So just determination is a big part of it. And success, too, right? So you started working for um, other paint and sit businesses. Is that kind of how you got into this area of it? So when I was in Florida, I was basically, I was asked out on a date and so I went on the date and I'd finished my, my painting in like 30 minutes because I was just gawking at this beautiful woman in Miami. <laughs> and I decided, well, this is pretty cool. I would love to be able to do this. In my head, I was already like, this would be fun to do for a living. Like joking in my head, this would be great. And then the instructor um, basically was like, wow, you did a great job, yada, yada. And my painting looked a little better than that person's, I would just say that. <laughs> and if they're instructing and mine looks better than his, I was thinking to myself, this could go well. Um, the um, owner of the place had come by and did a double take and is like, hey, so you ever think about maybe getting up and doing one of these? And I was like, well, what does the job entail? Is it really just like flirting with beautiful women and, and painting and, and drinking? He's like, well, that's not what we put in the job description, but yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of it. So I was pretty much hooked from there. That sounds like a fun job. Uh, it is pretty cool. And as you see, like this is pretty much my living room. I boxed it off from my, my own space with pocket doors. And uh, I love it. There's no other job that I've had in my life where I can do this. So for our listeners who you know obviously can't see, we are in the Arts Block building um, on Independence Avenue. It's a space for artists to live and create. A lot of them have studio spaces in their living spaces like you. Do you host some of your classes here? Um, I host all my classes here right now, and then I also have the ability to do mobile classes. I've worked with uh, Gear Up, Casey Gear Up, um, with as many as 70 to 100 students. Um, so I love to, to work big because it's the same two hours whether I you know, have a couple or 100 people. That seems like a very different event based on you know, the number of people. How do you prepare for those you know, different skills of crowds? So um, one of the things that's really great and unique about the Tips Red Fox is when you come in here, it's more intimate. So I have more time and more attention to give to you. And also um, our storytelling is, is, takes place a lot better. If you're in a group of 100 people, we don't necessarily have time to go through and get to know each other in the same way that you can here. What are some of those you know, 
reasons that people would host a group of 100 or 200 people? So sometimes people want to do fundraisers and I get paid a certain amount to come in and they add money on top for the fundraiser. I get paid a base amount and they, they make their money off that. And then other chances are for me to go and do that are when um, there's programming, arts programming, where they've got funds together and they're like, we want to do something for kids or we want to do something for a group of adults and then I get to go in and do my, do my deal. So kind of explain to me, if a group is coming here to your studio, what that process looks like, you know, as soon as they arrive. So as you witnessed, you have to pretty much call me to meet at the door. Everything is DOP key secured. Um, so, and a lot of that is like set up, the question that you're asking is set up beforehand. So they call or they'll, they'll go to the website, thetipsyredfox.com through keywords through Google, or they heard a review or a friend came to them and said, hey, you should check this out, it's really a good time. And then, so that's all the pre-setup. And then in the invoice, I have all my instructions for how to come to class, calling me, picking their, going to the website, picking out the painting they want, scheduling the time. They send a uh, request to me and I check my calendar. If it's not booked, I book them. And then once a payment was received, that's when they're officially booked. So that's the first part of it. When they get here, come up the elevators, they come in, I pretty much acclimate them to the space. I'm telling jokes and hanging out, you know, doing some voices and stuff, hanging out. You know, girl, come sure. on, just being easy. And uh, so I get to know them. I get to know their names. I have them sign in. And then we start just jumping into the painting process itself. So it seems like, um, you know, a lot of this job is kind of improv. It's a lot of entertainment more so than I first imagined it as. I thought it would be more um, education. So it's edutainment. It's entertaining and educating why you do it. And part psychology, too, because there's people that come in that are literally shaking because someone told them their sister was the artist in the family. Turns out they could have been the artist in the family. They just weren't encouraged to do it. So I got to be helping people along that way. So that's, I think, you know, one of the things, if anybody's been to some of those corporate paint and sip things, that makes this a little bit different of an experience. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. People are allowed to just be themselves. They don't have to be uptight. And I do the corporate team builders, but the questions that I asked are, are meant to build the team. It's like, hey, can you somebody tell me a time when Chuck or here has done something cool or that you found out a passion that Chuck does that maybe other people don't know about? And they kind of tell on each other, which is kind of cool. And then they'll find out something they did, had no idea. Like you skydive? I had no idea. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a fun way to get to know your friends kind of in an environment where your hands are busy so you can, you know, talk or whatever. And sometimes like the hard part for me is just like when people get in the flow of painting, cause like I don't normally talk to myself or talk to other people when I'm painting, I'm listening to music and just do my thing. I have to be able to like gauge the room and go, okay, well I don't have to be on right now. I can be off and let them just sit in silence and do the thing. Sure. So what has it been like running a small business through the past year and a half? COVID has been a real roadblock to financial success in this business right now. Um, in 2019, I was having my best year in business. I had scaled it up from 2012 when I originally started to 2013. Actually, 2012, I was with business partners. In 2013, I was on my own. So from 2013 on to 2019, I was working really hard to get this thing off the ground and then finally got it there. 2019, best year ever. And then COVID struck. So I've had to adapt by picking up jobs that I don't really care to do, lifting heavy dumb objects or building decks. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's not what I'm feel that I'm meant to do, but that's a part of surviving. And a lot of times if you're a business person that's just starting out, be prepared that you're going to have to work your day job and then build your business. So for a lot of artists, I think 
you know, one of those things that they often don't consider or often don't prefer to do is market themselves, you know, because you are selling your work, you're selling yourself. How, what advice do you have for other artists who maybe want to do better in that area? Well, the first thing I tell people is like, be the best version of yourself in your business and do really good at your job because then people will naturally brag on you. And that's the best way that you're gonna get customers if you get a, a word of mouth referral from somebody. Um, in fact, I don't pay for advertising, I haven't since I started. So all my businesses come from people having a good time and telling other people about it and leaving really good reviews. Sure. So how long have you been doing this in Kansas City? Almost a decade. Okay. And do you get a lot of return customers? You know, people who bring back different groups? So I have some people that used to be like pre-COVID that would come almost every month and they would just take out the pictures of the frames and put new ones in, which was really cool. And they sent me pictures of that. So that was awesome. And then um, as far as like the bigger classes, I'd like to see more of those. I'm actually trying to put together some contracts that I can approach Cerner and other companies with and say, hey, I'd like to have some regular income from this. Do you have um, as a benefit or a health benefit that you want to pass on to your customers a gift certificate or not your customers, but your um, people that work for you? Or if you want to do a corporate team builder on a regular basis, like how can I be a part of that? So that's one of the pivots or the next evolutions of what I'm doing right now. So you were talking about some of the jobs you've had to pick up over COVID aren't necessarily your passion. Do you think this is your passion? This is definitely my passion. Like there, there's nothing, nothing beats like, okay, let's, let's recap a little bit. I don't have to leave my home. I have to go down and just bring some people up and entertain them. And basically they usually bring their own beverages of choice, by the way, forgot to mention that. They can bring their snacks. We hang out, I get to learn everything about them and, and whatever they wanna share. And I get to share my story and we just, it's just awesome. I've never found anything like that. That seems like a great way to meet a really wide variety of people. <laughs> I, I get the spectrum. I got to learn about cryptocurrency a little bit, which is kind of cool. And NFTs, which is where I see kind of, we talked about artists. Like, I hope that um, I'm able to learn that and other people are too, because that seems like that might replace some of the status of, of owning someone's artwork. Like in the past, I've noticed like, LeBron James or somebody will, you know, used to have maybe art on their, their walls where now they just show off their NFT basically in their little circle that shows in their profile. So like there's a transition that's happening. So I think uh, early adapters will do well. If you're an artist, I would say get into it. Yeah. Stuff like that's pretty interesting to me as somebody who, you know, works in a very old fashioned medium, I would say. <laughs> right. So how do you feel about living in a community of artists, you know, is this the first time you've lived with other artists like this? Um, outside of the dorm rooms at the Kansas City Art Institute, yes. Uh, but I will say I've got a mixed bag on that because I moved in the Arts Block building. It's called the Arts Block building, so I thought there would be more support for artists, and it's not quite there yet. I don't know if that's like it feels kind of like it might be like they're trying to do HUD housing, but put the placard of like, hey, we're for artists on it, and the same thing at other organizations in the neighborhood that I've plugged into. Like everybody says they're for the artist, but nobody's buying art from the artist. Like, how is that copacetic? That doesn't make any sense to me. I've heard kind of, you know, that same disappointment from other artists who live here are they thought the housing would come with more programs, more support and things. And they're trying to, you know, go out and build their own, but that's not the same as the idea, the purpose that this building was created with. So I'm hoping if COVID, you know, ever resolves, some of those things might actually start to happen, but we'll see. So I'll, I will say, um, 
like they're they're making really tiny steps i will say towards like making it happen like for example the maker's room um they did some work on that but in my opinion like if you want to have a maker's room you need to have tools in there and things that allow people to make stuff like that doesn't make any sense that we've got a couple tables and now it's a maker's room and you have to have like a code and an app to get in there and you have to reserve it for x amount of hours and it's like by the time as an artist i lug all my materials from this floor to that floor and get set up i've already used it half the time well that's 15 20 minutes minimum just to get my stuff down there let alone get set up and then get into the flow of work now i've got to pack all that stuff up and take like i might as well do it in my apartment right it's kind of hard to schedule that creativity <laughs> so i mean but that's all kind of like the other the other thing that i think it makes it difficult is we have to depend on the property manager to gain access to the community room, the gallery space, all the things that the artists, like when I moved in here, I was like salivating thinking, oh, this is gonna be, we're gonna collaborate with different artists, we're gonna do all these things, it's gonna be a great community, and it's it's just so far, for me, financially, it's falling way short. It's like, uh, you're going to do an interview with Margarita Freeman, who's an all-star, she's a community activist, arts activist, just all around great person. 74 years old just moving around like a, a wild woman all the time but like art is in her veins she does art every day she's in the community doing it she's also a retiree so there's a line that like some of us who are the working artists that are struggling with is that like yeah sure if i was a retiree and like you know had all this time on my hands and didn't have to worry about the financial end of it maybe i would have some different results as well for example like an arts garden kc which i loved like literally she was doing art classes for free and I was charging. Well, guess what happened? I spent a lot of time finding out that people just want to, if they want to do art for free. Sure. So to me, I'm trying to find like the value that's not just intrinsic, but the financial backing to like, if people say they support the arts, I need to see people support the arts. Sure. Yeah, we get it. Have you had any of those opportunities to, you know, collaborate or even bounce ideas off of other artists here? So I mentioned Margarita because we had actually set out, if you see those paintings right there. So in, in my kitchen, for those of you who are at home, I have about nine, nine, a series of nine 14 by 18 um, tessellation pieces that I'm working on called area code art. And we were set out on the balcony when it was warm and we would paint together, we would exchange like different um, techniques, which is that was the stuff that I was talking about. So more, more Margarita, more, more of that. Um, it's just like, and then I got into the place where I was like behind on bills. I wasn't making any money. And it's like, well, now I don't have any time to make art. I got to go make money. So there's this balance and it's, it's been so far overwhelming and I'm still trying to just get back. So Arts Block, I think, opened toward the end of 2019. So we're still in kind of that first phase. COVID's been dominating most of it. Um, I would like to see it grow. I would like to see more freedom to move about these spaces and you know for someone like you who hosts people here make things like that a little bit easier it, it would be nice and then also there's a gallery space down there like but the same work up until like a week ago the same work was there for almost four months when i've been there like i'd like to see that be and then promote the work so the work could be sold it's not just like let me put these nice things in the window that people have to pay to have frames made and materials to make the art and then come down and hang the art and then it's not even shown off by the people who are in charge of that space like really really work whoever is doing that um, to like sell the work that's why we're hanging it sure it's time to take a break to thank our sponsors Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shemekasonline.com. 
Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974. Armor Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. KC Care Health Center cares for more than 19,000 underserved and uninsured Kansas City residents. This year, KC Care celebrates 50 years of providing compassionate, patient-centered health care to everyone who needs it. Learn more about KC Care at kccare.org. KC Care, the heart of community health care. And now back to the newscast. It is nice to see a different type of art on Independence Avenue. There are dozens of murals. I love them. They add so much color to the neighborhood. But to have a gallery space that faces Independence Avenue right there has a lot of potential. Uh, it could be cool. It could be cool. I think, um, you know, there's, I was recently at a North, Northeast Chamber event and there's like some movers and shakers that are kind of on their way out and there's new board members coming in and I didn't catch like kind of like all of it, but there's some people there that had done some really good things for the community and seven us artists were invited to be there and, and you know and again i was back to like well great we all showed up we all put frames on everything we all came here we shook hands we met some people nobody to my knowledge got any work sold and we're kind of back at square one and now we've exhausted that time the other thing that margarita reminds me of because she's a new mentor of mine is like well you're planting seeds and like down the road you don't know what's in the back end of what people are trying to do and could be doing for you so hold tight so my gut feeling could be wrong, but a lot of the times I feel like the reason starving artists are starving is because the very people that say they're for the artists are literally just using them to um, take pictures so that they can promote their own stuff and say that they're doing community stuff that benefit the very people that they're not really actually helping financially. Sure. But I'm young in the game. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Only been in the neighborhood a few months, so hopefully that'll come through. Were you familiar with Northeast before you moved here? Um, no. Not very much at all. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. I mean, been to a couple parks around here, but that was just about it. And this was an area that was, and up until the point I moved here, even like avoid that area at all cost. Like, <laughs> I literally moved here because this is like one of the places the Salvation Army would help with uh, moving costs, and I saw the word arts in it, and I thought, okay, cool, this is a chance to go do art. Uh, again, as we said, with some collaborators and some, this could be a real opportunity. Sure. So I'm still, like I said, planting seeds and being optimistic, but also there's a part of me that just grew up in foster care and group homes that goes, this is, this is a sham. <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out. I guess time will tell. So you mentioned going to the Art Institute. What was your time there like? And was there anybody in particular that kind of guided you or mentored you through that? Um, there were no mentors at the Kansas City Art Institute um, prior to... Well, with the exception, I would say Jack Reese. Jack Reese was a good, uh, like I learned some, some good lessons from him. Some of them were um, like, don't do general labor. <laughs> and um, like try, try to find a way to like improve your position. My main quote that I remember from, from Jack, or maybe not a quote, but the life lesson that I got from him is, your ability to be successful in the world is how well you can juggle many things. So that stuck with me. Jack's been a, a friend throughout the years, offering a lot of good advice. Uh, I helped him build his house in a lot of different areas of that house, so I've got a lot of things that he passed on as far as learning skills and a little bit of trade. And uh, I think he's always been an advocate for me at whatever level that he can. Yep, yep. Now the Art Institute itself, 
<laughs> like that again is like I guess like from my end of it, like I grew up in middle class. My dad was a teacher, adopted me late in life. Um, it seemed like, well, it didn't seem like there was there was some favorites played, and I was just like, what is going on here? Like you're literally in class with me. You never show up, and you're not you're not putting any work in, and nor are you showing to critiques. But you got an A. And then I realized why, because I'm waiting tables, working full time where I'm going to school full time. And I see like the parents and that kid hanging out with the instructor. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. But so those are lessons that you can be angry about your whole life or you can just go, that's kind of how the world works. This is, this is how the, that's, that's the thing that happens. You just go, well, how can you not be on the other end of that again? So I don't, I don't pay for education anymore. Like if I had known that I could get the education on YouTube today that I paid tens of thousands of dollars for, no way I would have ever went to the Kansas City Yard Institute. You know, when you joined the Chamber of Commerce, we kind of chatted about this a little bit, but you were hoping to start virtual videos, you know, virtual classes, things like that. How's that going? So (laughs) that is coming along pretty awesome. We've got the camera ordered because at the time I didn't have a camera. So I borrowed that from a buddy and I've got the streaming video right there available to do that and that came in in amazon a couple days ago so i'm pretty excited about it i was hoping to have it figured out so i could have that streaming while we were doing the the podcast i'm partially glad because i kind of fumbled through some of the questions but (laughs) like in the end like that that comes off as like more sincere i think anyway so yeah for sure you know especially as these variants keep popping up it seems like virtual is kind of going to be the way to go for a bit longer and even for people who don't live in Kansas City who maybe want to take a class or have an event with people who live all across the country, who knows? That's exactly right, and I'm super excited about it. And that's why I mentioned I think online is the way to go, NFTs is the way to go for artists in the future. Just because, like for me, I'm always limited financially, like even in this scenario, to 12 people at a time, X amount a day. But if I have a class and I can set that up to do a Zoom or have a pre-recorded class, um, educational say during let's say Black History Month, and I do something cool like a portrait of Martin Luther King and talk about some of the, the struggles that happen. Well, then I can market that to uh, any, any school or just if, say for example, people are doing um, at-home teaching. That would be pretty popular, I think. So I think there's a lot missing in the at-home uh, education sector that I could take advantage of. So, You know, especially I think when people were doing school from home, they were focused so much on not getting behind in reading and math and science and things like that, that they forgot about all the other stuff that kids are supposed to be learning at school. You know, the arts, the culture, the interaction with other people, stuff that this could easily help with. Well, I just think public education is such a sham. <laughs> like, they, like it's, it's, it's not directed at teaching people how to think for themselves or work for themselves. It's basically factory workers and people that'll go do jobs senselessly to make money. Like in that, as I've gotten to be older, like I've become resentful of that and like, boy, what I do different. Like how, for now I'm like, I'm looking at my YouTube videos. Like every time I make one of those, that's a possible asset that can pay me over and over again if I do the work up front. And then I was like, well, how many hours are there in a day that you've got? Everybody's got 24. Well, how many do you get in a year? Do you know that answer by the way? No. <laughs> it's 5,480. So if you break that down, and that's if you sleep eight hours and then you have 16 hours to do whatever you're gonna do with. But if you're max it out and you work 16 hours, you can do a, basically a project, a 40 hour project every 2.5 days, which means you have 146 things you can do in a year if it takes you 40 hours to do those things. So thinking, thinking about things different now is helping, like with time management, money management, also kind of 
not getting so involved in things that probably won't be as fruitful as I hope they'd be. I guess I, I don't want to sound like a, like I'm not optimistic, but I'm becoming more less altruistic and more like, well, this I've seen over time. This is what happens. So maybe not be involved with helping so and so go move all their stuff because she did. <laughs> like all the things that I did when I first got in the community, like really set me back. If I had just focused in on the tips of Red Fox, maybe they'd be different now. Sure, using your time more wisely. Yeah, just investing more wisely. Like we all get the same amount of time. Like some people figure out how to invest it. And, and make money and other people like are always perpetually poor and I'm just really trying not to be perpetually poor. Like I don't want to be the starving artist. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like when people ask me to do portraits for free or do whatever, it's like I've gotten to a point where I just have to say I appreciate you, thank you, but no. Like I spent $80,000 and I still pay interest to be able to do this. I don't, I don't see any reason that my work is less important than any job that anybody else does. Sure, seeing value not only in yourself but in your work. Yep, yep. And artists, like, we solve problems. It's not like when somebody designs something, like anything that you see, like that camera, there's a bunch of moving parts in it. Somebody had to sit out and sketch out and design and then figure out how to fabricate it. Like art lends itself all through just about any subjects. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? No, we might pick up another time. Okay. <laughs> yup, yup. Is there, um, do you want to share your like website and all that kind of stuff? Um, so the tipsyredfox.com is how you can support locally. And then um, i got to come up with a cool name for my YouTube that I'm going to do for the sip and paint version of this, and I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, people should definitely keep an eye out for that, especially if they don't live in Kansas City. Yep, yep. Well, thank you very much, and uh, next time I look forward to asking you more questions about like how you got into your gig and that kind of stuff. For sure. Thank you. Right on, Abby. And that was Dimitri Pink, owner of the Tipsy Red Fox. Thanks for listening to the Northeast Newscast. For all our episodes, articles, and more, visit northeastnews.net. As we continue our 90-year tradition of delivering free newspapers to Northeast residents, now you can help the Northeast News continue to produce community journalism directly by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash northeastnewskc. In exchange, we hope to offer our Patreon subscribers access to exclusive content.